You guys, you guys are talking a lot about these bad gifts you were given. I mean, usually it's going to be like just the one thing, but you guys are really like, yeah, I got the same thing. It was terrible. So uh, one thing we have, all have in common is that we've all been given a bad gift at Christmas. Well, um, here's what research and study shows us, is that the third worst Christmas gift that people did not want was weight loss supplements. <laughs> Can you believe that? That's, this is real, y'all. This is real. The second worst is fruitcake. And all the grandma, every grandma, every grandma's like, what the what? Like, everybody loves my fruitcake. It's like, yeah, yeah, that, the dog eats the fruitcake. I'll tell you who gets that fruitcake, right? The number one worst gift that people cited that they are given at Christmas is defective electronic devices that, um, that they had to return afterwards because they were on sale. The person bought it for them, and it didn't work. So imagine getting like a new phone that's actually not new and it doesn't work. But those are some of the worst gifts that they ever given. My mom, God rest her soul, like, you know, people don't look down on us from heaven, thank the Lord. If you weren't here for that series, we talked about that. What people are doing in heaven, they ain't worried about us. Um, so my mom's not looking down unlike Keith's loved ones are looking online at the worst gifts. My mom would always give the worst gifts, always. And she was a gift giver. She was a happy, outgoing, like, just my dad, my dad was stern, businessman. Mom was just like life of the party, never met a stranger, and loved to give gifts all the time right? Um, and she would give the worst gifts ever. I'll never forget, I have, I didn't have the photo on me, I could not find it, but I remember like the photo albums, I still have those, right? I'm that generation, probably the last generation of photo albums, and I'm sitting there, and I'm holding up this shirt mom got me. I mean, I'm a purple-haired, I had hair back then, long-haired skateboarder. Um, I was into shopping at skate shops. My mom got me, she got me a whole wardrobe outfit from JCPenney's. <laughs> And I was like, I ain't wearing none of this ever or I'll be laughed out of the school from all my friends. I was sitting, my eyes just like, can you believe this? Like, I did not want to be there at Christmas. But she was always giving those things. And yes, my great-grandmother always gave fruitcake. Um, my grandmother, she gave chocolate-covered cherries. And then, which are not too bad, right? Like, I, don't, I don't eat those anymore, but I used to love them. And then she'd give a pair of work gloves working in the garden. I, I, every year I get a new pair of work gloves, right? Um, I end up having 27 pair of work gloves. That. But I want to talk to you today, if you turn your Bible to Genesis chapter 3, uh, verses 19, 20, 21, I want to talk to you today about gifts and about how God gives gifts. And as we know, our Father doesn't give bad gifts. And you've probably never done this at Christmas if you've been a part of another church somewhere. You've probably never walked through Genesis and the fall of man at Christmas time. Uh, it's usually we're in Matthew or Luke and we're walking through with shepherds and angels and all of that. But we are in the book of Genesis for our Christmas series this year. And what we looked at last week was the fall of man, that God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden and life was beautiful. They had unbroken fellowship with their creator, right? They're walking with the Lord. They're, they're, they're with him. They're, um, man, everything was perfect. And then God said, don't eat of this one tree, right? One tree, the knowledge of tree of good and evil. Satan comes in the form of a serpent and he tricks Eve. He deceives her into thinking, hey, you need this in your life. You know, that's one of the problems. That, that's where you'll really get in trouble, and I said this last week, when, when you think you need something you don't really need in your life, and you start looking elsewhere for it like that, that's when you always have this dissatisfaction. The first lie and deception was discontentment. What you have is not enough. You need something else in your life, right? And then she buys in that, that trick. She, she gets it. She goes in. She eats of the tree. She says, Adam, hey, this is really good. You should try it too. It's like, you know, it's like somebody, it's like, it's like she drank bad milk. It's like, no, 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 it's good. Go ahead and drink it too. And he's like, okay. And then eats of the, of the tree, and then they both 
they sin, they've sinned against God. God goes and he, he finds them there, he talks to them, he realizes what's happened. And what they had done was when they, when they sinned, their eyes were open. They knew that they were naked and they were ashamed. Sin brings shame. The first result ever of sin is shame. And that's what happens. But here's what they do. And here's what a day really, really ties in. They make fig leaves and sew them together to cover up their nakedness. Now, don't you look what happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. It says, then the man Adam named his wife Eve because she would be the mother of all who live. And the Lord God, watch this, made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. One more time, verse 21 is the key for today. And it's actually one of the keys of understanding the gospel. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. They sinned, and they worked to put together fig leaves to try to cover themselves up, and they hid from God. What does God do? And this is beautiful. He goes after them. He goes after them. And yes, sin has consequences. We talked about sin last, remember last week, if you were here, we talked about sin. Remember we said that Jesus is not the reason for the season? <laughs> sin is the reason for the season. That's why we need. A, that's why God sent his sons, because we are all sinners, right? And so they do what all of us do. They try to hide from God. They try to cover it up. And you know, then God's like, eh, fig leaves ain't doing too much for y'all. So let me, just, let me help you out here. But what he does is the first blood that is ever shared and, or shed, and then God creates a covering for them. He creates the covering. See, fig leaves, they created the covering. They were working. They were hiding from God. God approaches them, he slays the animal, blood is shed, and he provides a covering that was suitable for them. This is what scholars call the proto-evangelium, the first gospel. So what was happening? Jesus, the Lamb of God, his blood was shed for us to cover us in our sin. We, our whole lives, work to cover up. Well, I'm a good person, I do good things. I don't need Jesus, I don't need, I don't, I don't need the gospel. And then God sends his son because of our sin. He is slain, blood is shed, and then we're clothed with righteousness. And that is the picture of the gospel here. And I want us to understand that if sin is the reason for the season, Jesus is the solution for sin. And so when you think about Christmas, amen, you think about presents, and we're surrounded by that. So um, presents are, are part of Christmas, right? Um, have you got yours done yet? Your shopping done and your presents wrapped? I have got 95% done, y'all. I just, I just want to, to brag, brag a little bit. I do, because I'm really impressed with myself this year. I'm way ahead of the game, right? But when you look at those, and you look at presents, and we think about Christmas, I want you to understand this about Genesis 3.21. And this is what Christmas shows us. Christmas presents us with a present. That's what Christmas is. It's God's greatest gift to us. It's the covering of our sins that we don't have to work for it. He does it for us. And I want us, every time we think about presents and gift giving and things of that nature, to understand, I, and I teach my son this, the reason we give gifts, the reason, yes, I, I teach my son about Santa, you, you can say, he's Satan Claus, and you're ruining him. Well, well okay, I, I'll, I'll be very silent on that issue. A child's imagination is the greatest things that they can have. And I love it. A child's imagination needs to be stoked. I don't say you don't have to use Santa, but let, let, let your child's imagination be stoked. Figure ways to do that, right? It's a whole nother world for another day. Um, but here's the thing, I teach them that gifts are given because Christ is our gift. And that's why we do it. He's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. And you have to understand that God's nature is generosity. And if you could sum Christmas up in just two words, 
If you could sum all of Christmas in two words, it's this. He gave is Christmas. He gave. That's what Christmas is. When you look at the nativity scene, or maybe you go to churches that do plays and things like that, and, and you're looking at this, or you're, you're seeing these reenactments, understand that he gave sums up Christmas. Just like Genesis 3.21. Genesis 3.21 is what? He gave them skins to cover themselves. Christmas is he gave us the greatest present ever, the greatest gift. John 3.16 says this. And you guys know this one, even if you're not even in church, you, maybe you watched wrestling and watched Austin 316, right? Or Stone Cold 316, whatever that used to be. This is something everybody knows. But look what it says. For this is how God loved the world. This is, this is Christmas. John 316 is Christmas. That he, what? He, he gave. He gave. His one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's what God did for us. He provided for us what same thing he did for Adam and Eve. He provided a covering for us. And here's what you understand, that God offers to give us a gift to solve a problem we created. Um, the best gifts I've ever been given, talking about the worst gifts, the best are those that solve problems for me. People that know me well enough to know what I'm annoyed by and what I want. And the best gift, one of the best I was ever given now, realize the best gift I was ever, ever given was my, my son got me an ornament this year that said world's best boss and Dunder Mifflin from the office. It's an ornament because I drink out of that mug all the time because our staff got that for me at one pastor appreciation and he saw that and he, wanted, he saw that and thought of me. So that is, that, that is the best gift. It doesn't solve a lot of problems, but it's cute and it's thoughtful. But the best secondary gift I ever had, in case he watches this in the future, he understands that. He's in children's church now, is a Roomba. I had two dogs, and I was forever cleaning up dog hair, right? And I had the Swiffer thing. I'd go around, and I'd just like, man, I'd be speaking in tongues. You know? The whole time, upset, angry at these dogs. And then I got a Roomba, and it changed my life forever, y'all. Like, I hit a button, like, dude, and I'd go work. I think just, I mean, cleaning up dog hair. I mean, that was the best gift I was ever given was a Roomba. You know why? Because it solved a problem that I created. I created a problem by getting dogs and it solved it for Do you know that's what Christmas is? That God gave us a gift that solved a problem that we created called sin. That you wonder, why is there injustice in the world? What's God gonna do about it? Guys, you know the reason there's injustice? Because we're here. We are the instruments of unrighteousness and injustice. God's not like in heaven going, injustice. No, it's us. We're hurting and killing each other and everything else. Why is all this in the earth? God, 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 just, just look around. Right? And we had to realize that God sent a gift to solve the problem that we created. Why is there suffering in even the world? Because we sinned. It wasn't just Adam and Eve. I said last week we were born into it. So he sent us a gift in Christ to solve that problem. And I want you to realize that as you share gifts and you're opening gifts and you're buying gifts, Paul's to thank your, 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 your father for the Savior that you were given the greatest gift here. And here's my fear, though, because Christmas in America is so cultural. I said today at our Dream Team rally, we do this for all of our volunteers. They show up, and we give a special message, message to them, and we're encouraging them. And I said this, just let them, let them know about, that, about the 5 p.m. and 8.30 a.m. service at Christmas Eve, is that you have CEOs coming that weekend. You know, do you know who CEOs are? Christmas and Easter onlys. 
Christmas and Easter are low-hanging fruit because people, that's why Pastor Keith's pushing you to invite. People are, are more than willing on a, like a holiday, a, a holy high day to come to a church service, right? Because it's so cultural. And here's what we've been conditioned to. Now, even if you are a follower of Jesus and you love Jesus and you serve him and you serve his church, here's my, my fear that comes with Christmas. We, if we think of Christmas as a finale, then we undermine the final work. I'm gonna explain that. If we think of Christmas as a finale, we undermine the final work. Because what we do in America is really, really, you know, we, we do the Christmas plays and I was in them as a kid, but I was never connected, the gospel was never connected to the birth of Christ. The birth of Christ was seen as some event that we celebrated, but it was like divorced from the death, burial, and resurrection. Oh, well, we had to wait to Easter to talk about that. Don't dare talk about the gospel during Christmas. What we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about Mary and Joseph and shepherds and, and, and find our, our place in the story, which is fine. But I believe what we've done in America is a disservice to people who do only come that one time of the year because the gospel is divorced from that. Like, we need to understand why a baby was sent, why Jesus in the form of a baby, why he came. We need to understand that it's tied to the redemptive work of God to redeem mankind. And somehow we just isolate it, amen? We isolate it to just a little event that we go celebrate and kids do little, you know, little plays and we all, oh, this is so cute. Oh, the, the, you know, the baby Jesus was born. And we don't think of it as the beginning to lead to the finished work of the cross. And that's very dangerous for us to divorce that and compartmentalize it as you know, westernized Christians because then what we'll do is we'll, we'll divorce the gospel and it doesn't have the impact that it should have. And here's what I wanna challenge you to do. If you have your notes, write this down. See Christmas as God's greatest gift to mankind. This is very important because every other world religion can't do this. They will acknowledge that the birth of Christ was special. They'll acknowledge that Jesus was special, but they will never acknowledge that it was God's greatest gift to mankind because of sin and we needed the Savior. And I want us to make sure that if you wanna, have, if you wanna focus on make Christmas meaningful again, it's not that you don't buy presents. It's not that you don't have you know, fun things that you do. We do the, the little elf on the shelf thing and it's fun and he thinks it's magical. It's none of that. But you gotta make sure that you keep the focus is that this is the season where God sent his greatest gift for me. And he has a gift that he wants me to open. He has a gift that he has given me. And many of us have been given, like I was given a Roomba, you've been given something way greater than that. And could you imagine if I took that Roomba and left it in the closet and never used it? and still try to clean up all that dog hair, that would be idiotic. But we do that with Christ. We say the prayer, we, we, I'm saved, I'm good, and we just kind of leave it right there and live our own life. This is God's greatest gift to you. Matter of fact, Paul uses this word gift in Romans 5.15. He's explaining about, again, grace and being saved. In Romans 5.15, he says, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. Adam's sin, Genesis, and God's gracious, what? Gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift, again, gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, 
Jesus Christ. He uses the word grace and gift. And I want you to realize that that is what Jesus is to us, God's greatest gift to mankind. You know, um, we, we teach, and maybe, again, if you don't teach it, that's fine, that there's, there's not really a, just a gray area conviction about, you know, Santa Claus, that he brings lumps of coals to, to kids who aren't nice, right? And we probably all at some point said, well, if you don't listen, Santa's not bringing this, right? I've, I've actually removed that from my vernacular, um, and here's, here's why. Um, we, we teach, we teach works-based reception of gifts, and even in that, we're teaching, like, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you're not gonna get anything. There's times my son doesn't listen, and he's a little, excuse me, little jerk, and I still give him something. And he's wondering, why would you give this to me? I said, son, it's easy, it's called grace. You don't deserve it, but I'm gonna give it to you. And we teach children with Santa Claus, right, that if you do real good, he's gonna bring you a lot of stuff. If you do bad, you're not getting good stuff. And then what happens is we copy and paste that. We get it from our parents too. If you make great grades, then you get all this stuff. If you do this, then you get that, which I understand rewards. And, and, uh, I understand that. I understand consequences. My son, but we bake this into our culture. And then we wonder why people have such a hard time when it comes to Christ. And I'm telling you, the reason that I teach on the gospel so much here at this church is because before um, I was opened up to, to the teachings on the gospel, I was saved, guys. I went to school for ministry, and I'd never taught on the gospel. I always lived in jeopardy of my salvation or my standing with God, right? Like, 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 like was God and I on good terms if I didn't do good that week? Was God and I not on good terms, like if I did, were we on great, and then if I was like praying and fasting and reading and not doing anything, any, if, I was per, if I was perfect, then I felt like, man, me and God are straight, man. Like we are, we are so close, right? I feel so close to God. I, feel, I just feel so close. And the same things that happen, though, I feel so distant. And you know why we feel that way? Because of Adam and Eve, same problem, Shame. And so then we had this roller coaster relationship with God. Up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. I'm, I'm all in, I'm all out. I'm all in, I'm all out. You just wonder like, why does it keep going that way? Why do I not feel close to God? It doesn't matter how you feel about your relationship with God. You understand that? It doesn't matter how you feel. I got your attention, right? If you are married, if you don't feel close to your spouse that day, are you still married? I don't feel close to you today. I guess we're not married anymore. I guess not not as married as before. No, that's a, in the same way, when you fought, when you surrender your life to Jesus and you're given this great gift, this imputed righteousness, that's the same thing. It's not like, man, I've, I've had a bad week, so I'm, kinda, I'm not as close to God. And this fig leaf mentality is what will destroy your walk with God. If you're thinking, well, this is elementary. He's just teaching on, no, no, it has been elementary. But here's what I want you to really dial in. The rest of this message is gonna be focused on this, is that we live too much by a fig leaf mentality, and we wonder why we don't flourish our relationship with Christ. 
because we hold on to shame, we're sowing fig leaves, we're hiding from God, and we don't because of sin. And we don't understand that we are made right with God. And if you've been made right with God, you can never be any more closer to God than you are today. Now, let me pause. Amen. Now, you can know him more. You can know him better and understand him better. That's what the journey of a relationship is too, right? I mean, you may never ever be any more quote unquote married, but you'll understand that person better, hopefully. Same thing with, with, with the Lord's the same way. But what will keep you from that is that fig leaf, shame-based mentality that keeps you in this roller coaster religion. And I want you to, to write this down because this is the key when it comes to sin. God's gift is his son as a solution to our sin. That's God's gift. And he's given that to you. And I want you to understand something about Three truths about gifts, and these three truths are going to help you overcome this fig leaf, this roller coaster, you know, relationship, all in, all out. I'm not close. I am close. I feel. I feel. Just you got to live by faith, not by feelings, and you got to live by faith that the blood of Jesus is enough for you to be made right with God, not how you feel or how good you've been that week. So with that gift, amen, with that gift, there's three truths about gifts that I want to impart to you today. The first one is this. A gift stops being a gift when you try to earn it. Romans 4, 4 says this. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something that they have earned. Could you imagine, I've shared this illustration before and I'll share it again. Could you imagine you're opening gifts up at Christmas and you're like writing down and taking barcodes of stuff as you open it and say, all right, this is 6332. Um, Johnny, I'll make sure, okay, I'm gonna get that to you on January 5th. Um, whoa, this is only uh, $4.37. Way to go there, Sandy. That was, uh, okay. Um, I'll make sure you get that. Um, I can do it that same week. It's not a lot here. You know, like, could you imagine and taking all the tallies up and saying, I'll make sure you all get your money for the gifts you've given me. They would look at you like you're crazy. They're like, no, I mean, this is a gift. I just want to, just take it. Just enjoy it. You're like, no, 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 I got to pay you for this. Is it a gift anymore? No, it's lost it. And friends, can I tell you, this sounds elementary, but in our sinful nature, this is baked into us to try to earn what God has already gifted us with. To try to earn his approval, to earn him being pleased, to earn salvation, because we're just gonna work for it. And God's like, no, it's a free gift. You're like, no, 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 I, I, no, I'm, I, I did this good deed. I gave to Accelerate Offering. I, uh, <laughs> yeah. Get the mission trip, did it. Yeah, and, and you're like, no, 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 I did all these good things, God. No, no, I, 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 think, I, I think I'm good. And even if you would say, no, I'll get to heaven by the blood of Jesus, we still think that our good works are gonna earn us something before God. Your good works are just proof that you've received the gift. It's, it's, it's a gift to God saying thank you. Like, yeah, like, I'm gonna do good things because you've done good things to me because I just wanna say thank you. It's not because you're trying to earn it. And many of us have been given the gift of Christ and we're still trying to earn being close to God and a relationship with God, and it stops being a gift. The moment you work for it, you get. That's why when I read our series, you ask for it. Every other world religion does not have the word grace in it. You believe in karma or you believe in grace. You cannot believe in both. Amen. Karma is you do bad, bad's coming for you. Grace is you are bad, you've done bad, we all stink, and guess what? God's still giving us a free gift of salvation that we couldn't earn or deserve. That's grace. Karma is fig leaf. Grace 
is those coverings, that provision for us. So if, again, if you try to work for it, then it's not a gift anymore. The second truth is this. A gift isn't a good gift if we aren't grateful. Um, I, I, I teased out the story of my mom about how ungrateful I was and how like how upset I was. You know, I, I look back at that though and I think what a stupid, immature individual. And of course, I was only 17, 16 years old and I was that. Everybody, every, every guy at 16, 17 should look back at some point and say, when there's, I was stupid, right, at 16. If you're 16, you're like, oh, how offensive. No, don't worry. One day you look back and think, man, I was an idiot, right? <laughs> you would, it just, it just happens, right? Um, if you don't, then I would like to see where your life is at right now <laughs> when you get to 35, 45, 55. But I look back, and here's what, I had to, what I've realized. It wasn't about the gift. It was about the giver. It was the love of my mom, that she loved me so much, and she wanted just to give. I mean, she didn't know. She did her best with that, and I wasn't grateful. And a gift being good is not what the gift does for you. It's not about you. The gift being good is how grateful are you for the giver and the gift, no matter how bad that it is. Because I can tell you something, and some of you are on this side of Christmas, I'd do anything to get another bad gift from my mom. I would do anything for one more Christmas, for one more bad gift, right? I'd do anything for some more chocolate-covered cherries and work gloves, you know? Like, I would do anything for that. Friends, let me, t- let me tell you something. In the same way, that's what we should be to Christ gratefulness, and I've talked about, I talked about this on Thanksgiving, gratefulness should fuel everything we do for the kingdom. You don't work to get God's approval, you work because you have God's approval through Christ and his gratefulness. And the final point this morning I wanna leave you with, the final thought about gifts is a gift is meant to be opened and enjoyed. It's not meant to be put into a closet, even, you know, I mean, it's meant. When people, somebody gets you a gift, they're hoping that you open and enjoy it, even if, they, even if it's a bad gift to you. All right, isn't that the hope? You buy someone a gift, you're really hoping. Like, you know, one of the worst things that ever happened to me, I bought someone a gift, it was very thoughtful, it was custom made, and it sat in a box, and they never, ever used it for the purpose that I wanted. It broke my heart, because I, I went to great lengths to get this gift, and it was like, man, this is gonna be awesome, and it never got even, it just was put away. And that hurt. Um, that's what we do with Jesus, though. God's like, man, here's an amazing gift. I'm gonna fill you with the Holy Spirit and purpose and redeem you and forgive you. You can have a clean conscience. You can be cleared of guilt and sin. You can have, I mean, all of this, right? And we're like, eh, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in this little room over here and I'll, I'll, I'll get to it one day. God has given us Christ to be open and enjoyed. That we can have this rich relationship with our Savior. That we through the body and the blood of Jesus. His brokenness, we can be made whole again. Isn't that beautiful? Through his blood, his shed blood, we can have relationship. We can approach the throne room of God. You cannot have a relationship with God apart from Christ. Somebody says, I know God. No, you don't. You know why? Because he's a holy God that nobody can approach because we have sin. Do you know how you can approach this holy creator? The blood has been applied. In the Old Testament, it's the same thing. You've heard this before, that the the Old Testament priests could not enter into the Holy of Holies without the blood of the Lamb. And now we get to enter the Holy of Holies for our Creator because of the blood of the Lamb. He wants you to enjoy this great gift that's been given.
He wants you to open it up. He wants you to use it, not just it solved the problem of sin for you, but it's meant to give you joy and to, and to do things in your life, to get rich, rich relationships. As I said last week, he wants you to flourish in everything. So realize this, you can't earn the gift. Stop trying. Just receive it. Secondly, be grateful. Be grateful. Use Christmas season as a season to be grateful for the cross, not just the advent, the coming, right? And then finally, guys, open and enjoy Christ. Open and enjoy this rich relationship with your heavenly Father. Let's pray this morning. Lord, we thank you that you provided salvation for us through Christ. We thank you that you had us stop trying to cover up with fig leaves, but you have given us, Lord God, provision for salvation. Now, God, I ask right now that we, during this Christmas, this Advent season, that all of us in here would be grateful for the gift that you've given, that we would just receive it and stop working for it. And Father, I pray that there will be people in here that would reignite the relationship with you. They've been given the greatest gift ever in the history of mankind, and it sits in a closet somewhere. They've compartmentalized their faith. It's no longer real to them anymore. They're not praying and reading the scriptures. Their hearts aren't being transformed, Lord. I pray that during this Advent season that they would open the gift, Lord, and enjoy it. As we're praying today, church, at this mode of prayer, maybe your step to opening and enjoying this gift is you need to actually receive Christ as Savior. Maybe you walked away from your faith. Maybe you got hurt by church. Maybe life circumstances pulled you away. But today is your day, either for the first time ever or to come back to your faith in Jesus. Today is your day, and you know it. The Lord's been drawing you. You've been sensing it. And right now is that watershed moment for you. So right now where you're at, pray this prayer after me. You say, God, I admit that I need the Savior. I need Jesus. Thank you for this gift. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I believe he is Lord. I believe he will return again one day. I believe in the resurrection. Thank you for resurrecting my life. I turn from that old life and walk in new life. Thank you for this beautiful gift of salvation. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.